2 Chronicles 7.14 is a very famous passage. Uh, We'll talk more about it on New Year's Eve and have communion together on New Year's Eve. I want to touch on it just a bit this morning. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. How many of you in here today have a need in your life, a need of healing, a need of direction, just some need in your life? Just raise your hand right now if you've got a need. Father, we come before you tonight and we are today and we just pray that you would meet every one of these needs. You'd move to speak to us. You'd show us your direction. You'd bring healing into bodies. And that, Father, your name would be glorified by what you do in this need. We don't simply, Father, ask for it because it's our need. We ask for it for you to glorify yourself. In this word today, glorify yourself, we pray. And speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. It is our tradition to close the year on this Sunday celebrating some of the work God has allowed us to partner with over the last uh, six months. That's what we've been sharing with you today and to celebrate uh, some of the the workers. It's always hard to narrow it down to the stories we want to tell and to narrow it down to the people that uh, we want to honor. There's so many who are worthy to be honored. And we also today want to invite you to step up and be a part uh, of the ministry. There are several ways that you can do that. We'll be sharing some ministry opportunities a little bit later that you can sign up and be a part of, missions trips that you can sign up and be a part of, other things around our community that you can sign up and give time and effort and go above and beyond. Uh, We also want to give you a a chance to step up even financially. Uh, Many already have for the year and and above and beyond. But I'm asking those of you who are not a part of above and beyond yet to consider joining them. Maybe uh, you don't give a regular gift week after week to help the church move forward. Would I encourage you to step up and, and begin to do something on a regular basis? Maybe you're already tithing and and yet you see the things around and God's blessed you and you want to do another $5, $10, $20, $100 or whatever to make a difference in our community, in our world. Uh, we want to invite you to step up and, and let God move in your life and move and use you to be a blessing to others. Giving is one of the ways that you can do it. Now, offerings, listen, offerings are between you and the Spirit of God. I'm going to give you uh, reasons. I'm going to give you opportunities to give. I'm going to do my best. I always do my best to never try to manipulate you. We just share our victories and we share the needs. And then it's up to you to decide what you want to do with that. One of my passions that I have is that we can do some things to really, uh, as we think about our, our mission, to fill our community with the gospel message. To be able to do that takes all of our effort. To be able to do that takes some financial investment. And your giving helps us uh, be able to do that. And I want to see us do that in a greater measure uh, this, this year. Another way you can really impact the world 
is to begin to pray. Prayer is the game changer. To make a fresh and new commitment this year and, and grow in a new understanding about prayer. Last year, we ended the year celebrating, just like we have the, what we will this year. We had a, great, a lot of great things happen uh, last year, year before last, and a lot of great things that happened. But as I came into the new year and started January, uh, I found in my private time that I was troubled in my spirit. I, at first, I couldn't put a finger on it. I didn't understand what was going on in my spirit, but I, I, I sensed uh, the pressure in my spirit uh, began to grow with a, a troubling feeling. Over the next two months, January and February, I, I found myself uh, with this growing discontent in my spirit. Uh, I don't think it impacted me in any, in any way other than I was just troubled. My wife saw it. She began to talk to me about the problem, and I, I kept telling her, all I know is that I thought that somehow God was in the mix of this trouble. I soon identified two things. I want to be very careful how I put the first one. I found myself stirred that while the fruit of what we're producing as a body of Christ was good, that at times it was just simply harder than it should be. At times, the margins of involvement and the mar margins of impact were tighter than they should be. And while the fruit was good, I was troubled that there were places where I wasn't seeing the abundance of fruit that I thought we should see. And I found myself over those two months beginning to ask myself, God, where, where, are we, where is the power and the blessing that you promise when we follow you and we do you? Where's, where's the open field running, if you will, the breakthrough running? And are we doing something wrong? The other issue that I began to, to, to identify very quickly was in where our nation is going. And it was becoming clearer and clearer to me that tra the trajectory of our nation morally seemed pretty hopeless. We were moving away from godliness with a record speed. I found myself talking to, uh, to, to Christians, young Christians, older Christians, and it seemed like the foundation of what we believe many times had been lost and an ease of compromising our sense of right and wrong was growing. I talked to some of my friends who are not Christians and they seem to have embraced an anger towards God and an anger towards the church that seemed to be increasing. So I, I will tell you that while good things were happening, and while I was seeing many good things, while I had a sense that God was with us and we were doing what we were supposed to do, when I was alone, I felt the weight of these two issues 
uh, at times to the point of despair. But again, but again, I felt like it was a godly despair. I, I felt like God was in it some way. And that he was, he was showing me things for some reason. I talked to a few guys outside of Calvary that we work with and who uh, I get advice from from time to time. I talked to Renee. Uh, I felt a strange sense of crisis and dissatisfaction that seemed to be full of purpose But over those two months, it was growing heavier in my spirit. Uh, The turning point came one night towards the end of February. I was sitting in, in, in my bedroom reading a book that I had read several times before. And I came, I came across the story. It was about a time in the early 1800s, I'd read this story, like I said, in this book a couple of times and other places, about a group of people who, in a time of crisis, really began to pray. Uh, The way they prayed and how they organized the prayer times uh, didn't fit pragmatically uh, with me or with our culture. But as I sat there that night, I felt an an overwhelming move of the Spirit in my room. And I felt a renewed call to to prayer. Now, I've sensed many times in my life God calling me to seasons of extended prayer. I've always believed in prayer since I was about a 12-year-old boy. I've tried to be consistent in my prayer times. Uh, but this, this was an ex- a more extended time. It was, a, it was a call to spend an hour and a half every day praying. And, I, and I'll, be, I'll be serious. When I sat there that day, knowing the things I've been through in my past, I, I really struggled in, in that moment for fear of how sustainable that was in life with all the things we have going on in life. How was I going to do that? But before I left that chair that night, I made a commitment uh, to come here to this building every day, or not every day, four days a week, until Easter uh, to pray. I decided four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, loosely 5 to 6.30, that I would come here and begin to pray. I mean, I, I kind of looked at it this way at that moment in time. I come to church on Wednesday already. Friday's my day off. And Sunday we're at church already, so I don't need to come every day. I will come four days uh, a week, and I'll spend that time in prayer. And I felt I was right where I was supposed to be. And, and I began to do that. If my memory serves me correctly, it was the next week, early the next week, Monday of the next week, that I was hit by a health issue that would impact me for the next three months. The first six weeks were painful at times. They were uncomfortable all the time. They were frustrating, and it would all end in surgery. Uh, A couple things happened in those early weeks. One, even though I was going through, God seemed to give me this ability to keep every one of the prayer times that I committed to. 
And uh, I think, I think in the, that first five or six weeks before the surgery happened, I think maybe I missed two days. Uh, the second thing that happened was really uh, unexpected again. In, in the first week, week and a half, I felt this urge of the Spirit, and the prayer time expanded from four days a week to seven days a week. In it, I was sensing the pleasure of God in it, and I was sensing a release from God in it. And the third thing that was really clear to me was that uh, at that point in time, I wasn't supposed to tell anybody what was going on and what I was doing. I mean, there were a few people who knew just because of my schedule. There were, you know, my wife had to know where I was at. I think that's a good thing. Uh, where are you going every day from 5 to 6.30? Let's give everybody peace. You know, we're going to go pray. Ended up in the hospital for two nights. And uh, in the hospital after the surgery, and, and as the evening would come, Renee would go home. And uh, I kind of knew the schedule, what the nurses were going to be doing and what was going to be happening. And I found in, in, the, in the hospital room that I had time to pray. And I'd be alone and, and uh, turn everything off and just uh, wait on God and pray. It was during those two nights that the Lord really began to show me some truths about prayer and about the spiritual forces, powers, and principalities of the unseen world that we face. I began to understand more clearly in that time why things go harder at times than they should, why we as individuals don't have the victories, why we as families uh, don't have the fruit that we want to see in our family at times, why things get harder. And what's going on? And I began to understand more clearly how to pray for our church and how to pray for our country. And the Lord really began to just speak to me and showed me some things in, in the middle of that that were, uh, were uh, just amazing moments for me. After the hospital, uh, I felt a, another new freedom and authority in prayer. And I was getting close now to Easter, about two weeks away, and approached this time that was the end of my commitment that I'd made that night in February. But I felt this urge to continue to pray, and I, I knew that we had plans uh, to go to Europe in June, and we were to leave at the end of June, and I made a commitment in my spirit, okay, I'm going to continue this until that trip. During those weeks in, in April, May, and June, I felt this closeness of God in a new and sustained way. You know, his presence is life-giving, folks. His presence is soothing. His presence is joy-filled. His presence makes everything lighter. His presence is encouraging. And I began to sense that presence growing in my life. I began to see things in my life that though they weren't sinful things. They weren't things that were evil. But I began to see things that God was saying, I, I want you to straighten this out. I want you to clean this up. And, and I began to find a new freedom in many of those changes. Uh, one night in prayer, 
uh, right here in this room, uh, I felt this call to speak to you about prayer in August and September. And within just a few moments praying, uh, eight weeks of messages just kind of downloaded into my head that we talked about in September and August in this series on the game changer and how God wants us to be a, be a part of prayer. And the challenge came to me to, to encourage you to make an appointment with God and, and encourage you to keep it and to set that time and begin to pray for yourself and your family and the church and our community and our world. And uh, I began to understand that sometime in the fall we would make some sort of a prayer challenge for everyone. Still, I didn't feel the freedom to tell many people about what was going on, told a few, a few friends. It was toward, toward the end of July. We'd gotten back from the trip. We'd been through uh, a shocking loss in our family with my mother-in-law suddenly passing away and uh, was continuing these, had, had returned to these prayer times after we'd gotten back from the trip. And uh, we were, we just started the prayer series. And uh, I was, began to ask, I began to ask, Lord, should I invite other people to come and join me in prayer? prayer? And, and I'd always had a hard no. No, you're not supposed to. And as I walked out these back doors uh, that one night towards the, you know, first of August, a date dropped in my mind as I, I said, Lord, am I, ever, am I supposed to invite anybody to come in? A date dropped in my mind. And I sensed on that day, you can start inviting staff, some elders, and a few others. You can start inviting some people to come. It wasn't until later that night that I realized it was exactly the six-month mark of when I'd begun to pray. And uh, I, I would tell you by that time, I was free from the despair but the awareness of the spiritual battle that we face today, that you face today, was still very conscious in my mind. Listen, the biblical concept of the church in the world today is being undermined. This is a plot of the enemy to destroy what God clearly lays out in Scripture. One of, they want to, the, the enemy wants to weaken it. He wants to disperse it. He wants the people to be so spread apart that we can't do the very things we talked about doing today. The moral call of a biblical church is being dismissed. When the church talks about biblical morality it's just being pushed away the role of the church in people's lives is being weakened all the pulls of all the things that fill up our time weaken the impact of the church as we run after things that are not gold the authority of the word of God uh, is the call of the church is being attacked in its very origins. The authority of the word of God is being refuted by people 
who set themselves up against the word of God. The biblical foundation of living is being ridiculed, scoffed at, and and overrun by the lusts of the flesh. Guys, it's why you need to go through the Conquer series. This is not a this is not an in-your-face confrontation to, to, to shape your mind that the enemy is doing to us. It is a subtle feeding of the lusts of the mind and the lusts of the flesh that we need to be clearly aware of if we're going to walk in victory. And I would call you, if you haven't taken this series yet, to talk to some guys who have, to sign up and to spend the 10 weeks learning and growing so you can understand the battlefield that we are in today. The revealed way to a right right relationship with God is being challenged in our society as 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 our culture wants to open up this concept of many ways to heaven. If we keep on this path, the ability of our children and grandchildren to live for God will be worse in their day than anything we can imagine today. I would tell you what we face today is worse than what my grandparents faced and what my parents faced. We need a great awakening in the spirit of mankind. Mankind is increasingly choosing to live by their own standards and to reject God's standards. We, we get more of our biblical theology out of some talking heads on TV than we do from the Word of God, and it weakens and undermines the power of the church. Many churches are compromising biblical truth to appeal to people to comfort them, to come and join them, and they compromise the very moral foundations that the Bible lays out for all of us. And it not only weakens the church, it weakens the family, and I would tell you it weakens our nation. The numbers of people who believe nothing is increasing generation by generation. Gen Z Born, before, or born after 1997, they now tell us in the surveys that 35% of them do not believe in God. That's the highest number in recorded American history. We need a great awakening. And it's going to get worse and worse unless the church awakens. Listen, the God, God's plan for Moving in a world always starts with the church. This is going to be a very different country in the next generation. This is not an issue of enlightenment or a different kind of peace. That what we're facing today is an issue of the rejection of God, of God's authority, of God's word, and it's an embrace of secularism that wants to sweep into the church and make pastors in their pulpits afraid to say the truth. And I'm telling you, I'm never going there. You chase me off first. I'm going to tell you the truth. 
Now, here, here's the deal, friends. This is what we need to do. The scripture we read today, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Believers, what this means in, in very simple terms is, is not that we walk around with our heads down as coward, you know, cowering people, but that we put our full trust in God. We humble our thinking to God and, and submit to God's word. We humble our hearts and we say we know God's word is true and we humble ourselves in prayer by realizing it's prayer that's gonna change the spiritual battles in our life. We begin to seek the face of God. That means we get to know him. We open our hearts to him. We choose not to be lazy and not to be content, but we choose to see what's going on in the world. We choose to recognize that there's some fruit in our lives, there's some fruit in our families that isn't what it should be, and we're going to get to know God so we can know what's going on in us and how we're feeding that flame. Then we have to turn from our wicked ways whether they're sinful ways or just things God wants us to clean up. We've got to turn from them. We need to be changed and challenged by the Spirit of God. And this is what God's promise is. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This begins here in prayer. And let me give you some things to pray about. Here they are, real quickly. God, open my eyes to the strongholds of the enemy impacting my family. Let me see what's going on as a spiritual person. God, let my spirit recognize every argument that sets itself up against your wisdom. When it comes across the TV set, when it comes on the radio, when a friend says it, let me instantly recognize every argument the enemy presents to us that sets itself up against your word. God, let my heart be troubled by what troubles your heart. Don't let me be entertained and, and find enticing that which troubles your heart, but let my heart be troubled by what your heart is troubled by. God, open my eyes to the work of the enemy in my generation. In other words, let me see what's going on, understand where powers and principalities are at work. Let me become aware of them and God fill me with your spirit to enter the battle of the day. If you sense this, then I challenge you, make an appointment with God. Keep it every day. And I challenge you, pick a night or more and come join us in prayer as we pray. Monday night this week is our monthly prayer night where we encourage you all to come. Uh, but we're praying every night. We'll pray every night this week. We'll pray uh, uh, New Year's Eve. We'll pray before uh, the service New Year's Eve. You're welcome to come. If you, listen, prayer is the game changer. Prayer is where things happen. Prayer is where we enter in to the spiritual conflict of the day and begin to make a difference so that the fruit that we should bear gets born. It all starts in prayer. You don't get this until you do this. Until you begin to pray, you don't stop the enemy. 
you have to stop the enemy and then the fruit will grow. And if you want that in your family, you want that in your life, then make this determination. Let God speak to you. Pray about it. Ask God, how, how often should I go? My prayer is that you will grow increasingly troubled until you seek God with new intensity. I don't come anymore with a spirit of despair. I come to pray with a spirit of hope. It took some changing and God stirring in my life. And I want to challenge you. Do you see it? Do you see it? On New Year's Eve, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how we find that victory and what stops the victory in prayer, what hinders our prayer. There's several things you can do if you want to make a difference in this world. Get involved in a ministry. You'll hear about signing up for those in just a minute. Uh, giving, get, get involved in giving and, and, and helping us send Bibles around the world and helping us do things in our own community. Get involved with that. Give cheer, cheerfully. But I want to tell you, though, this, this, is, this is hard for a pastor. I'm going to tell you something. You can get involved in all the ministries you want to get involved in. You can give everything you have, and we won't change the world. We're not going to change the world until we get involved in the spiritual battle. It's when you get involved in the spiritual battle that the blessing in your ministry and the blessing in your giving and the blessing will come that will really bring change in your life and in those around you. This is a serious call for us to understand how the kingdom of God works. Read your Bible. As you read your Bible, just begin to be aware of all the times, all the, almost on every page of the Bible, it seems to me, as I read it now, I've become so keenly aware of them calling on God, on somebody seeking God, of the, need, of the people crying out to God for the spiritual things going on in their world. How often Jesus did, how often he called us to pray, and yet, it goes against our flesh, and so it's a battle. I would tell you, in my life, are there days when it's tough? There's, a few, there's days when my mind wants to wander, but it's gotten a lot easier. It's gotten a lot, because you know why? Because I sense the presence of God in it so much, I can't hardly wait to get there. And I want to encourage you, begin to seek the presence of God. America your family, you need an awakening of the presence of God. I'm going to be here tonight from 5 to 6.30. You can come and join me. Tomorrow night's our prayer emphasis. We'll have things to pray for all around the walls and things that you can pray about, and we'll help you pray. And you can come any night of the week you want to come. But I want to challenge you. If you're afraid for our country, if you're afraid for some of your family members, if you're troubled about things going on in the world around you, the answer is prayer. It's not just something we do after everything. It's something that sets everything else up. Amen? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, uh, we take these last couple of minutes, and we, we, we know our time is short here, but we just invite you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. I pray, I pray today, you would trouble us. Let us, 
let us see things that aren't the way they should be. Where natural affections have been broken down, where hearts are cold, and Father, where things are being embraced as good that are really evil, and where, where Father, uh, life is being taken, where life should be protected, and Father, where things are being celebrated that should repel us, Lord, and where our, our hearts are drawn to things. Let us see where the spiritual battles are. And Lord, let us understand where the spiritual victories are won. The authority that we have and the power that we have to pray over lost loved ones and lost friends and seek you to move in their life. Pray over our ministries. See life transformation happen. Lord, we pray. I ask you today, one more time. Lord, be merciful to America. We look at where we're going, Lord, and we, we know we can't continue this way without your judgment. So we ask for your, but we ask for your mercy to move to rescue us. So stir in our hearts and stir in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a moment.